So we just brought you Why Am I Not Losing Weight Part 2. And part one was so long ago, we're just giving it to you again. I know you don't all scroll back that far. I appreciate you binge listening, but some of you don't go back that far. And I think it's important to repeat this over and over and over again. Why am I not losing weight? We always have to come back to the thyroid. I tell you that each and every time that's the master gland, but let's not forget about all those beneath the surface drivers of weight, insulin resistance, liver. We talked about testosterone before. So let's bring it back, educate ourselves, re-listen, take new notes and apply what you learned in Why Am I Not Losing Weight Part 2 a few weeks ago. If you missed it, go back and listen. Just keep flipping back and forth between these two to ease your frustrations as to why you're not losing weight. Because I know it's frustrating. I know that. I was there. Remember, I was there. Are you finally at your wit's end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back. You're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound... Like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. Keep going back and forth. Keep taking nuggets and actually applying them. We talked about in part two, the thyroid fixer supplement line, and also the flagship thyroid fixer supplement that is gangbusters bananas at helping you lose weight. Implement that, listen to part one and part two back and forth, and then just get going. I promise if you if you lay this out, create a plan, maybe work with an experienced functional practitioner that knows the thyroid and hormones, maybe, but lay this plan out and implement what we talk about and you will get far. You will start chipping away at everything you can do as a person. Now, this is not negating the responsibility of your doctor, your prescriber, your nurse, your OBGYN, whoever you're working with. This doesn't negate their responsibility at looking at your numbers, ordering the right labs, addressing low numbers, less than optimal numbers, addressing if you have in the basement T3, addressing if you have elevated reverse T3, addressing if you have in the basement testosterone. For a woman, and I'm not talking about being flagged low on the labs. I mean, if you're under 50 total for testosterone, that's low, needs to be addressed. This isn't taking away that responsibility of your practitioner, but this is just giving you, you, every nugget that you can implement in your power 
And then sometimes you need the help of others, but you do your part. Then we can spread out and dip into other areas where you might need some help in the biochemical department. You might need some thyroid medication. You might need some bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. We'll get there, but you do everything you can do. And then we will take it from there. Why can't I lose weight? That's a question I get asked over and over again from my patients and from all of you, my avid listeners. And it's one that I really wanted to kind of just niche down and go through all the different factors. I might not hit all of the factors that are preventing you from losing weight. And it's not just thyroid. We are going to cover thyroid. I know you like hearing about it, but you have to be aware of all the other factors too. Because what I've been seeing a lot lately, and I might have mentioned this in the last couple of episodes, but a lot of my patients writing into me saying, I'm just not losing, I'm just not losing, I've been on this thyroid medication, and it's a decent amount, and we're looking at their numbers, believe me, I you, you hear me say this all the time, so I don't want you sitting there thinking, well, yeah, but you always say that the free T3 has to be 3.5 or above. Yes, you're right, and I want the reverse T3 low because that can stop it as well. But with all of those numbers perfect, and I know they're on a really good medication, there might be a chance that they need an increase in their dose. Yes, absolutely. But then what else? So it's the what else that I want to focus on today. It's those other factors. I got some studies lined up for you to go through. And I really want you to kind of think about this checklist. So before, I mean, we are especially if you're a woman, not guys, I don't want to leave you out. I know you care about your weight, but especially if you're a woman, I know we immediately go to give me some, it must be something. It must be something metabolic. It must be my thyroid. It must be my, my hormones. And listen, if you haven't been diagnosed, it might be. So if you really are doing all of the things and you listen to me today and you check the box and you really are doing all the things and you're still gaining or not losing then yeah, it's we have to check your thyroid. If you haven't had it checked, if you haven't had your hormones checked, go back and listen to the umpteen million other podcasts where I talk about the importance of testing. You can go to my website, download the lab and symptom checklist because that's going to give you all the labs to look at and a bunch of other symptoms that you might be dealing with too. But this is for my people that you, you have your thyroid pretty much optimized or so you think. And you're still not losing. Okay, since we're on the thyroid, we're going to start there. We're going to start there. And then I can go to all the other things that I want you thinking about. And I'll loop the thyroid back in. With your thyroid, when we are testing, and I have said this before, but it it bears repeating in this episode of why am I still not losing weight? When we're doing your thyroid testing, first of all, make sure that if you are on an NDT medication or you're on T3, that you're leaving 24 hours before you get your labs tested. Because part of the problem is if you have been with a practitioner that likes to test you within four to six hours, a lot of practitioners, even thyroid specialists out there, will tell their patients to take their medication and then we're going to test you and we like to see you at four to six hours. No, that's the medication working in your system. So that lab result of free T3 is really only what that T3 medication is actually doing in your system at the time. We have no idea once it's out of your system or once it goes down the other side of the peak, 
what your actual free T3 values are. That's what I want to see. So I want 18 to 24 hours of you not taking your thyroid medication, your T3 thyroid medication, and then let's get the labs. And then let's see if that free T3 level is in the upper quadrant of the range. So 3.5 or above on most US-based lab testing facilities based on their range, 3.5 or above. Or if you are in the UK or Australia or Canada, you guys have different ranges. I have patients there. I've seen them. So we have to go, is it in the upper quadrant of that free T3 range? And that's where we want you. Now, that being said, the other caveat to that is you might feel better higher. So I'll take Dr. Weston Child's wife. We talked about her when him and I did a joint podcast. She does better with a free T3 a lot higher. Now, there's no doctor in the world that would be cool with anybody walking around with a free T3 of a 10 unless they're a thyroid specialist, right? So I do better when my free T3 with a 24-hour no thyroid medication test, no T3 medication, I do better when I'm more like a four or five or a six. That's just me. And I do not have hyper symptoms. I'm not anxious. I don't have heart palpitations. I don't have any of that. Now, I could take another patient who actually I just saw labs the other day, and she is actually on too much T3. I rarely see this. She's actually on too much T3 where her everything is through the roof. The free T3 is high. She has heart palpitations. She has insomnia. She's anxious. She has diarrhea. She has all the things. So that's where we have to pair up you as a person with your labs, right? So when we're looking at the free T3, we want that 3.5 or above or in the upper quadrant of the range. Then we have to look at your reverse T3. And remember, if reverse T3 is high, that will prevent you from losing weight as well, even if your free T3 is in the optimal range, because that reverse T3 is the antithyroid hormone, so it's blocking. It is literally blocking the T3 from getting into the cell. So it's standing like a bouncer outside of your cell door and it's telling T3 that you can't come in. So we definitely want that reverse T3 low. So that's the thyroid piece. And I'm going to tie in the antibodies here as well. The next part that I really want you to think about if you can't lose weight is the big umbrella of inflammation. Uh, I know you hear that term so much. Okay. Inflammation can come in the form of high insulin. So insulin is very, very inflammatory. We talk about that a lot on here where I want you not insulin resistant. We want you insulin sensitive. I want your insulin, your fasting insulin to be below a six. I want your hemoglobin A1C to be anywhere between like 4.5, 5.1, something like that. And then fasting glucose, since glucose can lie, we can say, I do like your glucose around 86, 88, 90, but fasting glucose can lie. So don't panic if your glucose is like a 95 first thing in the morning when you go to get your labs done. I want to look at that insulin number and I want to look at A1C. So insulin itself is very, very inflammatory. Now we can look at another marker called CRP, C-reactive protein. C-reactive protein actually gives us a marker of inflammation as it relates to your cardiovascular health, but it also tells us, hey, you have a lot of inflammation in your body. So we want to look at C-reactive protein. We want to check things. Now, 
so many different things can cause inflammation. So if you have candida, either systemic in your blood, or let's say you've done a GI map and you have a stool test and you show candida, that will cause weight gain because that is a level of inflammation in addition to making you most likely insulin resistant and making you crave carbs and sugar like crazy, that candida will slow down your your rate of weight loss. Your body's just not going to do it. And it's creating inflammation. Things like interstitial cystitis, one of my patients has that, that's totally preventing her from losing weight. Now, that's a very tough disease state to treat. And that is literally for a, a gastroenterologist to work on. I don't do that. I don't do interstitial cystitis. But that is for a, a gastroenterologist to work on to lower that marker of inflammation. And then maybe, maybe she will lose weight. But in that case, you almost have to focus on how's your health? Like, is your energy better? Are you, is your brain fog better? Are you pooping every day? Like, is your overall health better? then let's celebrate that and not hyper-focus on the weight if you have something going on that is creating inflammation that's very, very hard to treat. Now, don't let that discourage you and say, oh, I'm never going to lose the weight. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. What else causes inflammation? So we know that things like lack of sleep, eating a standard American diet. If you eat like crap, it kind of ties back to the insulin, right? So if you're eating crappy, and I mean... One thing a day, if you said, well, I don't really eat crappy. I eat a paleo diet, Amy. And, but, you know, at the end of the day, I like to have my glass of wine. I only just have one piece of bread with my meal. Okay, well, that's enough to create inflammation in your body that will absolutely keep you from losing. I always say I would rather have you drink five glasses of wine one night a week than one glass of wine five nights a week. The women that come to me and go, well, I need my wine at the end of the day. That's how I relax. I go, well, then you're not going to lose weight. Then I'm going to be completely blunt and honest with you because that's how I am. You are not going to lose weight because that alcohol coming into your body is literally shutting down all metabolic processes. So your body sees fats, proteins, carbs, and alcohol. Alcohol is kind of like the fourth macronutrient, but it's not even a nutrient. So it's just a thing. And your body really kind of sees it as not a great thing. It's a, it's a pathogen. And what it does, your body, oh, alcohol is coming in. Oh, okay. Well, then we don't need to take care of the proteins, carbs, and fats right now. We certainly don't need to be burning fat right now. So what we're going to do is put that that food that the person is eating, because we all like to eat and drink at the same time, we're going to put that into fat stores. We're just going to put that in storage. We can, we can deal with it later. Don't need to deal with it now. Because the alcohol that's coming into the body is like a foreign substance, and we really want to metabolize it and get it the hell out of the body. And I don't care if it's one glass or five glasses. But the reason why I say five glasses one night a week is you're just creating that inflammation for one night a week. And then the other six days, six nights, you chill and you avoid the alcohol and you let your inflammation come down. And provided you're doing all the right things like eating well those other days of the week and not replacing your alcohol with more bread and a bowl of ice cream, then you'll be fine. But then moving on to the standard American diet, 
and taking into account gluten, which we talk about a lot. And I always say gluten is not a fad. Gluten-free is not a fad. It's something that we need to implement because gluten spurs on autoimmune attacks, period. We know this. It's in the scientific literature. It's in the medical literature. You can look it up all you want to. Go to PubMed, go to Google Scholar, and look to see what gluten does. Look up Alessio Fasano, the three-legged stool. He's hilarious too. I love that guy. And he really explains how gluten comes in and is one of those legs of the stool that will cause autoimmune to surface. It will cause autoimmune to turn on. So I want to refer, since we're on the topic of autoimmune, I want to refer to an article actually my dad gave me from AARP. And in this article, we are seeing an increase in autoimmune conditions, a huge increase in autoimmune conditions. And it says, point blank, one factor in the rise of autoimmune diseases may be our changing environment and lifestyles. Now, I'm going to bring up another study too. I promise you this is going to get interesting. Miller believes in the past 30 years, we have had more than 80,000 chemicals approved for use in this country that includes things in medications. So 80,000 chemicals. We have a totally different diet with processed foods, additives, and fast food. We just said that, right? So if you are eating the standard American diet of processed foods, fast foods, you're letting that gluten come in, you're letting the bread come in, you're drinking your alcohol because you just need your glass of wine every single night and not just one night a week, then you are bringing in foods that are creating inflammation, which is spurring on autoimmunity, which Inflammation alone will cause weight gain and that autoimmune turning on will absolutely cause weight gain. Okay. We're more sedentary. We are more sedentary. You got to get up and move. And I know some of you have a knee condition, a hip condition, whatever. Then do the pedal bike with your arms if you can't use your legs. Do some push-ups if you can't use your legs. Do some dips off of a bench if you can't use your legs. Let's say you have a shoulder problem. Do walking lunges. Do air squats. You don't have to load a bar and put it on your back. Just don't be sedentary. Go do yoga. Do a Zumba. Find what you like and move. Or like I always say, go for a walk with your dog and don't be playing on your phone. And actually go for a walk because then you get the de-stressing effect of being in nature with your beloved pet and you're not on your phone. So even if you're listening to my podcast, turn it off. You can listen to it later. Just download it. It's cool. It'll always be there. And go for a walk and enjoy nature and get your heart rate up a little bit. There's nothing wrong with that. So a sedentary lifestyle is absolutely increasing the rates of autoimmune disease. There's an obesity epidemic. So it's kind of like we're... we're we're in this spiral, right? So you're telling me, well, I can't lose weight. I'm not losing weight. Why aren't I losing weight? And then that excess weight, we have to find that root cause of why you're not losing weight because that excess weight is a stressor on your body that will turn on autoimmune. So if we don't know that you have Hashimoto's yet, it may be worth checking because of the stress of trying to lose weight and doing everything that you can to lose weight and over-exercising and under-eating and starving yourself 
can turn on that autoimmune condition, can turn on Hashimoto's or other autoimmune conditions, that creates what? Inflammation, which then keeps you from losing weight. When the body is in an inflamed state, I want to pause here. I want you to think of this. Think of, whenever we think of inflamed, we always think of red, right? So think of your body as this red ball of fire. And it's not good fire, like as in a really good metabolism. It's just this inflamed, irritated rash. Think of a rash. Okay, this is it, ladies. Think of having an all-over rash. Are you going to put makeup on that rash? You're going to try, but you're not covering it up. Are you going to go out and have a good time with your body head to toe in a rash? No, you're not. You're going to be itchy and you're going to be miserable and you're not going to want to do anything. You're not going to want to do anything. Are you going to exercise with a rash? No, because you're going to sweat and then it's going to itch more. That is your body in an inflamed state, no matter what is causing it. So if you're inflamed because of interstitial cystitis, if you're inflamed because of candida, if you're inflamed because of an infection, if you're inflamed because of chemicals and being exposed to chemicals and having that toxic burden, if you're inflamed because you have an underlying infection that hasn't been found yet, if you're inflamed because you're sedentary, if you're inflamed because you're eating a standard American diet, that inflammation in your body is like a red rash all inside your body. And do you think your body is going to care whether or not you lose 10 pounds or 20 pounds or 50 pounds when you're inflamed? No, it absolutely is not. It's not going to care. We have to take that inflammation down. Now, we have a different pattern of, a, of infectious agents, even pre-COVID-19, with more emerging yearly. This is a quote. So Google, don't flag me. I'm quoting out of AARP magazine. Yeah, I said the C word. We have a different pattern of infectious agents, even pre-COVID-19. So they're not even talking about COVID, but we're going to bring in C. We're going we're gonna to bring that in with more emerging yearly. The environment is noisier and there are more stressors. They don't mean noisy. They just mean shit going on, affecting your body and creating that inflammation. That is the noise. So hundreds, literally hundreds. The bottom line is there are hundreds of irritants that could be causing our immune system to become confused. Remember how I said that autoimmune is these little soldiers and they go out and in the case of Hashimoto's, they like to attack your thyroid. They're just confused. They think your thyroid is a bad guy. So how do you increase your soldiers? How do you increase your antibodies? You eat gluten, you live a sedentary lifestyle. You are stressed out all the time. You're eating a standard American diet. You're exposing yourself to chemicals. Maybe you're exposing yourself to a lot of medications or maybe you have had exposure to a viral infection that is creating inflammation and also causing your immune system to become confused. I want to go to a study, um, but this is, this is actually a study from NCBI, NIH.gov, NIH.gov, right? And this is entitled Potential Antigenic Cross-Reactivity Between SARS-CoV-2 
and human tissue with a possible link to an increase in autoimmune diseases. What did we just say? One of the uh, writers of this is um, Dr. Karazian, very well known in the thyroid world. Most of the, the stuff that he says I agree with, some I don't, but that's how us practitioners are. We don't always agree on everything. This article starts by saying, since the outbreak of C, we tested five different blood specimens that were confirmed positive for C, IgG, and IgM antibodies. The measures measurements were for anti-nuclear antibody, which is ANA. You know, we test your ANA. ANA is a broad uh, marker that says, yeah, there could be autoimmune present here. We're not quite sure there could be, and we can't really tell you what autoimmune is present. This is why we like to test your TPO and TGA antibodies so we know what kind of autoimmune disease is present, right? The measurements were for ANA, and I don't want to confuse this with too much, mitochondrial antibody, rheumatoid factor, and C1Q immune complexes. We were surprised to find out that three of the five specimens had significant elevations in ANA, ENA, actin, and mitochondrial antibodies. This prompted us to investigate patterns of cross-reactivity between SARS-CoV and autoimmune target proteins. Basically, what we're seeing, and we know this from the FluV, is that there are some autoimmune conditions that can present itself, such as Guillain-Barre syndrome. MS is a a V-induced autoimmune condition. And systemic lupus. A friend of mine actually did, well, he, he didn't have MS, but they thought he did for many, many years based on his symptoms post-fluvy. I, I can't, again, I, I really, I can't even say fluvy because YouTube will get pissed off and take me down. We're not even allowed to talk about that. So can I say FV? Can we, can we, can we use code FV? Okay. So yeah, we know that the FV can cause Guillain-Barre and, and it can cause lupus and MS. Very, very, very rare, but it all depends on how your body and how your immune system deals with different antigens that can be in a V and how that relates to your body. And how your body responds to that. I found this study interesting because it goes hand in hand with what I'm seeing in my patients. If you missed last Friday's podcast, go back and listen to it. I interviewed Dr. Lisa O. And we don't really deep dive into her thyroid antibodies. But just to kind of let you know, they were 3,800. I don't think in 25 years I've ever seen 3,800 for antibodies for TPO antibodies, that's probably, I think it's the highest. I'm, I can't, I can't think of any, anyone higher, at least not in the last 10 years that I've seen. She actually didn't even have a known thyroid problem before that. Her free T3 went in the tank. And this was not from getting a, a V into her body, but rather from being around people and her being a chiropractor touching people who did. So this is a potential effect of what is going on right now. 
And I want you guys to know this, especially if you're my patient listening. It's very, very important that you know this because that could be a factor. And we might have to really work on taking down those antibodies or reducing the inflammation that that particular antigen coming into your body is causing. Now, that can also be if if you happen to have C, not cancer C, the other C. If you happen to have that or had it, that can create a cytokine storm that creates a lot of inflammation. We're seeing a lot of long hauler syndrome. And that can cause a high, high, high amount of inflammation in the body that can absolutely stop you from losing weight. And remember how every everybody presents differently, right? So I even with thyroid disease, I could have a patient that comes to me and they go, you know what? I don't have a problem with weight gain. I am dead freaking tired. That is my number one issue. And then I have other people that come and they say, weight is the number one issue. I have other people that say, no, 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 brain fog. I can't concentrate. My memory is crap. That's the number one issue. I am not saying my stance in this one way or the other. I'm telling you this so you can think. If you are a part of this population that's going, why am I gaining? Why am I gaining? Why am I still gaining weight? Why can't I lose weight? And I'm really doing this as almost like a mass message also to my patients so I don't have to text the same thing over and over again and email you guys the same thing over and over again. If that is a possibility that you had C, that you got the CV, that you're around people that got the CV, that is enough that it is creating inflammation in your body that could be shooting up your antibodies. So you can always retest those. Or it could just be wreaking havoc in your body and creating inflammation that is keeping you from losing weight. That is a big one. Big, 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 big. I felt the need to go over that because I think in this day and age, see, I have to be very careful. I have to be very careful because poor Dr. Mercola and Dave Asprey and many, many other practitioners can no longer be found. And I don't want to be that. I want you to be able to find me. Most of us have either already had it, know someone that had it, got the CV, spouse got the CV, we're around people, we're in a workplace that requires it. So not only do we, but we're around people. All of that can be, I am telling you, I am telling you, no matter what your belief is, it absolutely can be preventing you from losing weight. And I want you to remember that. So no matter how perfect your thyroid numbers are, no matter how perfect your medication is, it might be absolutely on point. That factor alone could be it. And it's not your age. Moving on. I'll get off that, right? It's not your age. A new study in Health and Science magazine shatters the myths about metabolism and age. Because, you know, it starts out by saying bad news for people who blame their middle age spread on a waning metabolism. A new study has found that metabolic rates actually remain rock solid through most of our adult lives. The research involved more than 6,400 people ranging the age from eight days, eight days, to 95 years old in 29 countries. The participants were given water containing isotropes that could be traced in urine samples. By analyzing these samples, scientists could calculate exactly how much carbon dioxide each person was producing, a precise measure of how many calories they were burning. 
The researchers found that after peaking around your first birthday, one year old, that's when we're that's when we're most metabolically active at one. Your metabolism declines by about 3% a year until around age 20. Then it plateaus until you hit 60. When it starts to decline again, but only by about 1% a year. The team's findings also found that other long-held assumptions about metabolism, that women have lower metabolism than men, it spikes during teenage years, it spikes during pregnancy, it slows during menopause, they're all wrong. That's what this study says. People will say, well, when I hit 30 years old, my metabolism fell apart. This is from lead author Herman Ponser from Duke University. We don't see any evidence for that, actually. Researchers say if weight gain in middle, that weight gain in middle age has nothing to do with metabolism. It is most likely the result of changes to lifestyle factors such as diet, activity, and sleep. Didn't we just talk about that? Didn't we just talk about that? Standard American diet, sedentary lifestyle, This article ties back to this article. This article ties back to the one from Krasian on the the COV and the CV and antibodies and autoimmune. We're seeing an increase in autoimmune. Our metabolisms are not decreasing. We are plummeting them by our own choices. So I want you to check all the boxes. This article said sleep. So let's mention sleep. If you are not getting seven to nine hours per night, then you might be insulin resistant. You might not lose weight. And you might tell me, well, I do just fine at six hours. Maybe you do mentally, but not physically. Because physically, we know that blood sugar becomes erratic when you don't get enough sleep. So people who are sleep deprived, we can actually trigger type 2 diabetes just by bringing you out of REM sleep. So that doesn't even mean, I mean, you could even be in bed, physically in bed for seven, eight, nine hours. But if you're not getting a deep sleep, if you're doing things like you're on your computer, you're watching TV, you're watching Netflix till midnight, I get it. I'm guilty too. I try not to, but when I do, I really notice I am messed up in the sleep department and I am starving the next day like starving the next day. Why? Because I just jacked up my blood sugar by not sleeping well. Sleep is huge, huge when it comes to weight. I really want you, I mean, if you have to go listen to a sleep specialist, I'll bring one on. Kirk Parsley, I still want you on here. So if you're listening, just know we got to reach out. I'll go through my friend Steph. We'll get connected. Sleep expert, go listen to a sleep expert. Go again, if you're on PubMed, right? looking for the study that I just referenced because I'm not going to post it because I don't want to be taken down. Do a little search about sleep and weight. Oh my gosh, it's actually scary. Like I actually have to stop myself. I've said this before. I stop myself because I start getting freaked out then if I have one night of bad sleep. Oh my God, I'm going to be 10 pounds heavier. And I know that that's not the case, but if I make it a pattern, if I get into my type A mode, I'm like, I got to answer everybody back tonight. And it's 9.55 p.m. That is wrong. That is a bad, bad habit. Don't do it. Put your phones down, blue light blocking glasses on, preferably TV off, but I get it. Next, Netflix is your way to chill. 
you have to get sleep. And your best sleep is between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. If you're a third shift worker, you're going to be a little bit behind the eight ball with this because because you just are. I know your body adjusts to third shift, but our circadian rhythm doesn't. Our, Our light, dark, wake sleep cycles don't adjust because you have to do third shift. We appreciate you doing third shift, but it's not really good for weight loss because your body wants that deep sleep between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. That's where it restores, it repairs, it processes. That is when your body can even out and bring you into a state of insulin sensitivity and not insulin resistance. That is when your body can decrease inflammation that will then what? Allow your body to burn fat for fuel because you'll be out of that inflamed state. Now, what are some things you can do? Obviously, sleep. Do melatonin. Melatonin is a fantastic antioxidant. It is great for if you have the C, if you got the CV before and after we use high-dose melatonin to prevent that cytokine storm. So it's really, really good. I have a lot of people that go, well, I don't like to use it because I don't want to get hooked on it. Well, it's an antioxidant. It's really good for you. Fantastic for kids, for memory, for learning. ADD, autism, ADHD kids, give them melatonin. It's going to improve their brain. going to improve their immune system. Nothing wrong with melatonin. Get into that deep sleep. Get an aura ring. I don't have one yet. I need to get one. Get an aura ring so you can actually see. You know what? I don't have one because I'm scared. I don't want to see that I'm not sleeping well. But I probably should get one if I'm giving you guys all this information, right? So get an aura ring, see what your heart rate variability is, see how much sleep you're getting, get some biofeedback. I love biofeedback. Change your diet, change your lifestyle, go for a walk, don't be sedentary, all those things you can do. If you're insulin resistant, you know I love berberine. If you have high antibodies, talk to your doctor about using low-dose naltrexone because that will bring down your antibodies. Very low side effect with LDN. Some people can take it at night. Some people can't. Some people get a little bit like reverse effects, like more awake at night. So you can always stick it in the morning. That's when I take mine. And then black cumin seed oil. So Designs for Health has a product. It's a Nato E Synergy. Has black cumin seed oil in it along with tocotrienols. Black cumin seed oil is known to lower antibodies. So if your antibodies are through the roof, like my friend Lisa, We are using LDN on her. Obviously, we're treating her with Armour Thyroid, and we're using black cumin seed oil. So all those things that you can do. I didn't even get into heavy metals or mold. Those are other Epstein-Barr virus, Lyme, tick-borne illnesses. That's in a whole other class. I deep dive in that when you're my patient. Actually, some really exciting things coming up soon for patients and non-patients alike, so stay tuned. We deep dive into that. That's 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 why I bring on the experts, though. And if you go back in the podcast, you'll find that I do talk to Sinclair. We talk. We haven't gone into EMFs yet. We definitely will. But Sinclair Canali, she talks about detoxifying your home and chemicals and mold toxicity. I had a mold expert on, Dr. Tim Jackson. That's way back. That's a few months ago. So you can go back and listen to those podcasts and learn a little bit more. We don't have time to deep dive. I don't want overwhelm either. You guys don't need overwhelm. You're already dealing with thyroid brain. So you don't need overwhelm. But I want you to focus on the big ones. 
the autoimmune, the toxic burden that it's in certain things, um, what it's doing to your body, kicking up autoimmune conditions, sedentary lifestyle, lifestyle factors, getting your thyroid in check, what's jacking up our autoimmune conditions around the world. We're seeing an increase, 80,000 chemicals. You want me to read that to you again? In the past 30 years, we have had more than 80,000 chemicals approved for use in this country. And actually, there are chemicals that are approved for use in the U.S. that are banned or marked as dangerous in the U.K. So if you think about that, the toxic exposure that we're allowed to have in the U.S. on our bodies is way, way, way more, 10 times, 20 times more than my listeners in the U.K. Now, I don't know about Australia and Canada. I don't know. Can't speak on it. But I know, you know things like red food dye, not allowed in the UK. There's a lot of things that are banned that are allowed here in our products and in our food source. So you want to do things to take that burden off of you. And again, that's another podcast of detoxifying your body and changing your products and get rid of the Glade plugins and don't use Axe body spray on your skin, put it on your clothes, bath and body works, no ladies, no There's a lot of different things that we can do to reduce our chemical toxic burden. Even getting a plant. Sinclair and I talked about that. Get a plant. I need to get a plant because a plant just improves your air quality. We'll deep dive into that in another episode, I promise. But do the things. Do all the things. Check the boxes. And think about what I told you today because it might not be your thyroid or your thyroid medication. It might be. And yes, if your free T3 is in the crapper and your reverse T3 is high, it's your thyroid. And of course, we're going to find out if all those other things that we talked about are contributing to that high reverse T3 because everything is so beautifully connected. I love it. I get geeked out every time I talk about the body and its connections. And in my mind, as I'm talking to you, I can see the connections between your high reverse T3 and look over here, toxic burden. And look, oh, the underlying condition of Epstein-Barr virus. And look, your insulin's high. No wonder your reverse T3 is high. But you start piecing those puzzles together too. You start connecting the dots. You know, do a wall like they do on CSI where you got you and your picture in the center and you got a piece of string tied over here because you got the CV and then you got another piece of string over here and you go, you know, my, my, I don't know. Roommate likes Glade plugins. My boyfriend likes Glade plugins. That's a no no. And then you got to tie in over here and you go, damn it. I'm a type A person. I am working until 11 p.m. Crap, I got to stop that. And do that board to, so you can see all the different things that you are doing contributing to the inability to lose weight. This could be probably a three part series. I didn't get to go into hormones. I didn't get to go into all those other things. So I do want to thank you for listening. And I hope, I hope this gives you a couple pieces of info. Sorry, you can tell I'm sick today. Cold, like stuffy. It's not C, just a stuffy cold. Little cough. I didn't cough though this whole time I was with you. So that's a win. But again, thank you for listening. And I want to get to some of your questions. We have a few questions in here. How long after T4? Oh, you mean how long? You don't have to stop your T4 meds before getting your lab work done because T4 is like the tortoise. So we got the tortoise and the hare. 
T4 is like the tortoise. It's super, super slow. So you can technically take it and it's not going to affect that free T4. But if you want to be on the safe side, leave 24 hours. That way you're not confusing yourself. You don't accidentally take a T3 med instead. Gretchen asked, my doctor wants to yank my meds. What? Suppressed TSH and free T3 is 2.4. Free T4 is flagged as low. I'm so inflamed and no hyper symptoms. Gretchen, I want you to run far, far away from that doctor because you will remain hypo and your symptoms will continue getting worse if you stay with someone like that. So when I work with patients, we don't care about TSH. I talk about this. If you haven't listened to my podcast, go back and listen to the Thyroid Fixer podcast. Binge it, download it, subscribe. And I talk about this a lot. Suppressed TSH, I could care the less about. If you're on anything with T3, and even T4 meds do this too, but anything with T3, your TSH is going to be suppressed. I don't care. I'm looking at that free T3. Yours is low. It's not optimal. If your free T4 is flagged as low too, guess what? Those are the two thyroid hormones. TSH is not a thyroid hormone. So you're going to want to run far, far away from that doctor because you also need your reverse T3 tested too. And this one does not have a name to it. So I had a high C-reactive protein, was told due to high inflammation or possible infection. Exactly. So C-reactive protein is a marker of inflammation. We don't necessarily know what causes it. So it could be all of those things that we just talked about today that could be causing that to go high. Yes, the other part, the V or the C, February. Yep. I'm guessing yes. And, you know, it lasts too. So you can't, and, and well, you had it 830 and then you're, oh gosh, for sure. If you got the V830 and then your CRP test was 9-9, I mean, that's a week later. Really super interesting. Um, Kara, can you please repeat the low-dose medication, low-dose naltrexone, L-D-N, Naltrexone, we actually use, or naltrexone is used for, I believe it's used in all different kinds of addictions, but I know it takes away the buzz from alcohol, but LDN is used for taking down antibodies, inflammation, reducing insulin resistance. A lot of people lose weight when they use LDN too. Numbers have been very close to optimal, but still have high antibodies. So I would like to address that really quickly too, because you can't hang your hat on antibodies. So there's kind of like this gameplay, this fine line where we say, okay, if antibodies are 3,800, like in my friend Lisa, like that's a problem. But if, if you're just talking about, well, my antibodies were 100, and now they're 150. Like that's such a small change. Like maybe you were just stressed out that day. Maybe you did. Have, maybe you were glutened at a restaurant like the week prior to getting your labs done. Like I'm not going to freak out over that high of, you know, that much of a change. But if your antibodies are coming down and continue coming down, then that's a good thing. And listen, if you're close to optimal and you feel good, remember those four words, how do you feel? and you are close to optimal, and you're feeling good, and your other symptoms are down, and it kind of comes back to the weight thing too, like, how's your health, right? So as women, we almost need to get off of that focus of wait, 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 wait. And I, I get it. I, oh, I almost hate saying that because I get it. It's such a stressor. 
It is such a stressor because it, it makes us feel icky. We don't want to go out. We don't want to get dressed. We don't want to go here. We don't want to go there. We just want to stay inside in our yoga pants and our sweatshirts and watch Netflix. I get it. And then every time we put on something, we're pulling it because it's tight. I get it. So I don't want to discount a weight struggle, but we also want to look at how is your health? How is your health? Do you feel good? Do, are you, are you, ener- is your energy up? Yes. Okay. Is your brain fog on? Yes. Are you focused? Yes. I'm getting in workouts. I'm feeling better. I'm pooping every day. Woo. That's a win. Okay. Then, then that's what we need, really need to focus on. And I have to say this too. One last thing I will say about the weight issue you stressing about your weight is going to keep your weight on. So we didn't talk that much about cortisol. I know cortisol deserves its own adrenals. Cortisol that's its own podcast. That's its own little episode. But if you hyper-focus on your weight, then you're going to be stressed out and that cortisol is going to keep kicking up. And it may not show on an actual cortisol panel, but it's going to keep kicking up. Then your then your weight is just going to stay on because you're hyper focused on it and you're stressed about it. So you're just going to keep perpetuating it. You know what we focus on manifests. There's I know there's an actual phrase in there that I'm missing, but yeah, what we focus on kind of becomes our reality. So if you're hyper focused on your weight, because that's what we do as women, we look in the mirror at that one damn thing that we hate. And we start staring at it and we start pulling on it. And then we you know, start doing this with our face. And we start, you know, doing this and grabbing our, our love handles. And oh my, there's a little bit right back there. And then that's what we focus on that we want to change. Focusing on change is a good thing, but hyper-focusing and getting stressed will also keep you in that weight cycle. So there we go. All about weight. You got checklists. Re-listen if you need to go through this again. And again, I hope I gave you some really good, juicy stuff to think about as you move forward, trying to lose those last 5, 10, 20, 30 pounds. All right. As always, we'll talk to you guys soon. If you want to reach out to me, you know where to find me. Anywhere, Facebook, Instagram. Subscribe to the Thyroid Fixer Podcast. Subscribe to my YouTube channel too because I really want people over there. Uh, YouTube really likes it when you have subscribers. So I'm going to ask you point blank to subscribe to my YouTube channel at Dr. Amy Horniman. And as always, I'll see you guys back here. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you loved it. And as always, if you would be so kind to leave a review, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, that would be absolutely amazing. I read all of them. Also, anything that you hear on this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any kind of medical condition. So we always recommend that you check with your medical provider, your doctor, your nurse practitioner before implementing anything that you hear on this podcast. And if you want to find out more about working together, you can click the link below in the show notes to book a discovery call. And there you'll be talking to a member of my team. They are an extension of me. They are amazing. And you and I will talk after that once we get you all signed up and you and I get to work together. All right. I hope to see you soon. 